Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep, and I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes... Mm-hmm. Oh, the Bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game, game of roses. I personally think you're an ostentatious Harvard D-bag. And you're a condescending I really do. I don't see us being friends after this. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And what a treat we had in tonight's big game. Just kidding. It was... Half of last week's episode, <laughs> plus like, half of a shitty fucking mentel all that was about nothing, just an entire waste of an episode in my opinion. But there were some plays that were made that are worth noting. There certainly was an error that was made that was worth noting, and we had a very beautiful Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. This is a I mean for our audience best. player <laughs> bystander of the week. 
for audience player. <laughs> for those of you who may not know, we know that we're getting new listeners all the time and some of the terminology we use may be foreign to you. So for audiences refers to the four audiences that you're playing to as a player. Audience one is the lead, the bachelor, the bachelorette. Audience two is the other players in the house who you're all hanging out all the time, seeing what each other does. Audience three is the producers, obviously, the people who make the show. And audience four is us, Bachelor Nation, who's watching it through television. So a four-audience player is playing to every one of those at all times, and those are very rare. And a Jorge Moreno bystander of the week is the award that we give to... The bystander in the episode who gives the most notable performance. How could I forget? I'm like, let me explain to you what a four audience fucking yeah. player is. But wait, what's a Jorge Moreno bystander week? So yeah, and it's named yeah. after Jorge Moreno, who was the bartender originally in Paradise, but then he transcended and made right. enough <laughs> money off of that that he now owns his own tour company in Mexico where they shoot Bachelor Jorge's Paradise. Torres. And because he's transcended and become the most famous of all the bystanders that ever existed in our beloved game, we have named an award after him and we give it every week to the person who is not a player, but makes some impact in the game. Of course, now I'm like, well, obviously you know who Jorge Moreno is. That's what (laughs) I'm saying. Explanation levels are terrible. We are doing our best, though. Yeah. (laughs) The pit is deep. Once you realize just to explain a sentence that you said, you have to do a triple layered explanation of what a four audience player is, what a Jorge Moreno bystander of the week is, and who the fuck Jorge Moreno is. But we've done it. There you have it. And now it's time to move on to the meat of our show. Now that we've got that out of the way, our little introduction, please enjoy. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We're back at La Quinta. Birds are singing. Tasha is just pondering. She's reading a book on her sofa in her casita. That book, it's worth noting, is a dog-eared copy of Emily Giffen's novel, (laughs) All We Ever Wanted. It only took me probably nine minutes of rewinding the footage back again and again and again and really scrutinizing the two or three frames that existed where you could see one-fourth of the cover of the book. Couldn't see a full name, couldn't see a full title. Nonetheless, I found it out. It's Emily Giffen, All We Ever Wanted. This is a modern-day romance novel that has a little bit of scandal in it that's about the lies and dealings between three people caught in a kind of love triangle. So this is what Tasha's reading for inspiration. Clues and I are watching it remotely, and we check in at the commercial break after each portion of the show. Clues took so long to do the first portion. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, this doesn't bode well for our episode tonight, but you were... Doing a deep dive that needed to be done. Knock, knock, knock. It's DLH. His core is over. DLH is Dark Lord Harrison, a.k.a. Chris Harrison, a.k.a. the host of all the Bachelor shows. And we call him Dark Lord Harrison, or DLH, as a kind of riff on LRH, L. Ron Hubbard, who was the founder and leader of the Church of Scientology. DLH is the founder and leader of the Church of Bachelor. That's kind of the one-to-one there. But when DLH shows up here, this shot is fucking beautiful. She opens the door. He's standing in the fucking neon nuclear white sun of La Quinta at the height of the fucking summer with that look on his face like, did you miss me? And 
she even goes, you're <laughs> back. That's the line used by Carol Ann and fucking Poltergeist. When the ghosts come, they're back. I, I think Tasha might be a, a film buff. She's doing what's in the box. She's doing your back. I don't know what it is, but they've presented him as finally life is breathed back into the show. How could we have lived without him? There is no mention of Jojo. We will never see her again. We will just be left wondering what happened to the cutout ting tapes where they obviously filmed her bringing a knife to glass on the champagne flute, but didn't present it in the document. I'm telling you, I think my analysis from last week stands. I believe DLH demanded that footage be removed. And you'll note tonight, we'll get to this later, but there is no cocktail party. Therefore, he did not get to practice tings tonight. Do you think there was also cut footage of her saying this is the final rose because she didn't do that rose ceremony either? Yes. Do you think DLH erased those tapes? No, I believe he has them. I believe he watches them, scrutinizes them. I don't think he would have destroyed the footage, but they're never going to use it because that is his thing. I wouldn't even be surprised. If DLH has trademarked in some way these phrases, these actions, whatever kind of legal ownership you can express over these things, he might have done it because it's similar to like Bruce Buffer, who has been the um, ring announcer for boxing for fucking years. Let's get ready to rumble. Or that's Michael Buffer. Sorry. His brother's Bruce, who does the UFC, and his brother has, it's time. That's his thing. But those phrases are trademarked by them. You can't say them the if you're... Buffer bros. Yeah. They're big fighting yeah. announcers. By the way, all I know of UFC and fighting is things that you tell me. It could be a completely made up sport and you have just told me all these things that are not true. I don't know. <laughs> no, these things are true. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think he's in a similar kind of position. He's almost like an announcer for The Bachelor. I think it's possible that he's trademarked these things. And maybe legally, JoJo is not allowed to perform them on camera. Oh, wow. I think that is possible. That's all I'm saying. There's a reason it wasn't in the fucking show. Anyway, back to 30 seconds into this week's game. (laughs) (laughs) Dark Lord Harrison comes in. (laughs) He tells Tasha. I just went on a fucking like half hour diatribe about the legality of the tings. Shit. All equally important. Dark Lord Harrison tells Tasha that he almost made it through dropping his son off at college without crying, but then he did cry on the last day. Do you believe this? No, 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 no. Dark Lord Harrison does not cry. He attempted to cry once with Claire this season, remember? When he said you found your husband? Yeah, he got as close as he could by pretending to wipe away a tear from under an eye. There was no tear. Dry as a bone. This man doesn't cry. He ages and he grows younger when he consumes souls. Those are his two modes. There are no tears. (laughs) We all know that just the ability to age and grow younger and consume souls, those automatically negate the ability to produce wetness from your eyes. Anyway, he says, I see you've cleaned house. And Tasha says, the honeymoon phase is over. And then Dark Lord Harrison plays dumb about Bennett and says, wait, Bennett's back? Come on. 
I won't be fooled. This entire scene is acting. It's all about getting out the exposition, setting up essentially a beginning of this episode. Because they've cut this season so fucking strangely. There's no rose ceremonies. We're coming in. I don't even know what fucking moment we're coming in here before a one-on-one and then a cocktail party. So it's not even a cliffhanger of a rose ceremony. It's like cut right into the middle of what would normally be a week. It's so fucking strange. And so they need this bumper right here where Tasha says, here's the guys who are still here. Here's how I feel about this guy. Here's what the problem is with this guy. Hometowns are next week. It's a pivotal week. And they just shit all of this out in our face. All acting. 100% acting. Of course, DLH knows about Bennett. He says, you've got such great guys left. It's splitting hairs, deciding between them, which I don't know if that's true. (laughs) And then... Tasha leaves and she crashes the rec room to pick up Blake Moynes for the only date of this episode. And this is the one-on-one date that is the holdover from last week. It turns out to be a forced nudity spirit guide date. There are many types of dates, many kind of modular components. So (laughs) a forced nudity date, self-explanatory. They've already had one this season or multiple this season. on many... (laughs) But Blake has been on all of them. Yeah. It's basically where they force one or more players to remove some of their clothing. And the spirit guide date, which is a time-honored tradition in our beloved game, is where they have some kind of a shaman or spirit guide usually leading the players in a sexual kind of ritual. doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. Sometimes it's Santa Claus can play the role of the spirit guide, which has happened like on Nick Vile's season. Often it's in some sort of spiritual room or like a little hut where there's steam and they're all sweaty or they're pulled through these like yoga things. They have to make forced eye contact for a long time. Our spirit guide this episode is Gita. She is a Reiki and crystal master is how they approach introduce her and they they introduce her that's how she introduces herself the way she introduces herself is she goes seekers (laughs) and i thought of grace ann parks she's calling out for the dark seeker the dark seeker is our friend who found us the dark seasons seasons two through seven when we couldn't find them for our hyper binge which is where we watched all 24 seasons of the bachelor except season nine uh the past couple of months I'm giving the exposition for everything that we're doing. (laughs) Uh, Gita approaches. She is an older woman. She has bright blonde hair in two little braids. She's wearing, what, a blue dress, blue gown? She says, I know you're here to seek answers about your relationship. And she was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. She was also my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. We're going to get into the rest of this date and what Gita does, but 
Gita is a rare Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. She's basically a four audience Jorge Moreno bystander. <laughs> Tasha says, "Absolutely, she, this is the kind of stuff she's into, crystals and whatever." So she's obviously playing to the lead. We see later in the Mentel All that she gave Blake Moynes a boner, so she's playing to the players. <laughs> the producers love this shit because they included her in the Mentel All. They put her in a segment yeah. that she was not even fucking in. I've never seen a Jorge Moreno bystander come up that much in a mental all. And then, of course, she's playing to us. We're sitting here fucking talking about her. We gave her the goddamn award. I hope it's not the last we see of her. She makes them sit and then crack open rocks after Blake and Tasha try to describe their relationship and say it's come out in increments or as Moines calls it, chunks. So then they crack open these rocks to get these symbolic chunks and they're supposed to pick a piece each. And then as long as they both have the piece, they'll be connected to each other. Gita then has them reach into a covered bowl to pull out crystals. Tasha gets a blue crystal. This is about communication, Gita says. Voice your deepest desires to Blake. Blake gets a red crystal. We never know what that's about. Apparently, it's about getting dumped. That's what happens later. <laughs> a red crystal symbolizes... That you're about to get a boner. I'm pretty sure. I believe that's possible. Because next, Gita makes them take off their clothes and lay down so she can look at their chakras. This is a process by which Gita suspends a small pendulum over their bodies that starts (laughs) spinning around wildly. She identifies that Tasha's heart chakra is a little cautious. Do you feel it? Well, there's only one way to get rid of a cautious chakra. That's to sit in Blake Moyne's lap with your noses an inch away from each other in simulated sex. So that's what they do next, of course. They call it a tantric breathing exercise. I looked this up. It is the lotus sex position. Fun fact. Now, we've seen this before. Was it not Carly Waddell and Chris Souls who did this on his season? I feel like Carly Waddell has had multiple spirit guide dates. But she definitely did it with Chris Souls. And I think she did it with Evan Bass in Paradise as well. Yeah, so week four of season 19, Chris Souls' season, Carly Waddell had the spirit guide sex guru force nudity date with Chris Souls. Another small bit of play that Gita does here to get her Jorge Moreno Bystander of the Week award. They give her a fucking ting. They didn't give fucking Joe, 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 Joe any tings. Gita gets a ting. She has what looks like a crystal pyramid hanging on a string, and she fucking ting. She hits it. Is that a ting? What? Yeah. I thought this was chimes. I think any device brought to a crystalline device that gives you a ting okay. noise. That's a fucking ting. All right. In my We're making rules. Wild <laughs> West. We're making up rules as we go. <laughs> it's almost a fucking super ting because it's an augmentation of a champagne glass. This thing is a, a crystal pyramid ting. that has powers. You know what? I'll give it to Gita. I love her. And so as the <laughs> ting is resonating from the crystal pyramid, Blake and Tasha are staring at each other's fucking eyes from one inch away. Yeah, they look into each other's souls. And Tasha ITMs, when I looked in his eyes, I was looking for more validation and confidence in the situation. I don't see it. Blake Moines has empty vessels for eyes. 
That's what I took from that. And then after this date, they sit on a bench and drink a few drinks. And he says he's very comfortable to have her meet his family. This was the connection he was looking for. This date really got him over the hump. And she says, well, it actually took me a while to get a connection. And I don't know if this is it. And he starts floundering. I just, I think we need more time. That's all. And she explains that the timing was off. She can't get there. Dumps him, walks him out. She starts what becomes a deluge of tears this episode sobbing at the loss of BM. She says, I'm really sorry. She forces him into an STCO as he's being dumped. STCO is shoulder to cry on. Anytime a player is crying, the lead usually consoles them. In this case, the lead dumps the player and then starts crying, and the player then has to be the STCO for the lead. It's like insult to injury. I felt so bad for Blake Moynes in this moment. I mean, to be fair, it is a continuation of the cycle. When Colton broke up with Tasha on his season, he forced her to do an STCO. He was crying. She had to console him. Blake, in his limo exit, says basically that he was blindsided, didn't see it coming, says he has love level one about her. I am, like, so crazy about her. There are four love levels. Love level one is I like you, I have butterflies, I have a crush, etc. Love level two is I'm starting to fall for you, I can see myself falling. Love level three is I'm falling for you. Love level four is I love you, I'm in love with you, I've fallen in love with you. And to say it after you are removed, after you've been eliminated, to say it in an ITM, which is in the moment, those are the confessionals directed right at the camera, or to say it in the back of your car as you're going away in your limo, only really serves one purpose. It's to convey 4TRR to the producers and to the audience. 4TRR is for the right reasons. So you're essentially saying, this process did work for me. I was starting to fall in love and it just got cut short. This is going to buy you back possible appearance on Paradise It's something certainly you need to do if you want to go to paradise at the very least. This is like the bare minimum you have to do. And he does. I think we'll see him touch sand. It's just so early to tell. We have so many players that are part of that possible sand. It's everybody from PP's season. Pilot Pete. It's everybody from Listen to Your Heart. It's everybody from this current season of Bachelorette. It's everybody from Matt James's season. And it's everybody from the next season of Bachelorette that has not yet aired. That has not even cast or shot. It's so many fucking people. That's that's going to be extremely competitive. I know. It's going to be a fascinating season. Can't wait for it. But should be noted here as Blake Moyes is driving away into the night, we get this shot from behind Tasha in which she collapses into a full body squat as she is sobbing. And you get this first hint that there is no possible way she's going to be able to handle the rest of this fucking season. No. <laughs> she's like, this is, she's... Not even at hometowns yet. This is her top seven. She's on the point of vomiting with how much she's crying. Tasha supposedly like goes right off of this date and says, it made me realize something else I need to take care of tonight. And she storms into the rec room and says, we need to talk, boys. It should be noted, she enters before the Grim Reaper even has a chance to come in and take Blake Moynes' suitcase. The Grim Reaper is a member of the production staff who comes in and does the ceremonious grabbing of the suitcase to indicate if the player went home to the other players. And while many of these phrases and terminologies that we use are things we've come up with, the Grim Reaper is not. 
That is a term mm-hmm. used by the show itself. The producers call those people the Grim Reapers. We are just saying what the producers say in this case. And we opened this scene actually with the guys literally talking about the Grim Reaper. That's who they expect to come through the door. They're like, they don't say Grim Reaper, but they're like, somebody's going to come in and take Blake's bag. I know it. And the door opens and instead it's fucking Tasha. She comes in and sits right between Ben and Noah. Ben makes a subtle bit of play here, but a good one as she's crying. He puts his hand on her back to console her. Noah actually does a little bit better play here. He gets up and gets Mm -hmm. her a napkin. To wipe the tears from her eyes. He's showing up for her snot. Tasha says, this is really hard. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I sent Blake home earlier because our relationship wasn't where we thought it needed to be. Which is a lie because Blake Moyne said, I'm ready for you to meet my family. Um, She says, I care about every single one of you. I know I've been asking a lot of you guys. I don't want to hurt anyone. Oh my God, I'm like shaking. And then she goes, Riley, can we go talk? I laughed so fucking hard at this line. Like, never has there been a moment where it is more clear she is about to dump someone. (laughs) It was just brutal for him. You're like, I'm so sorry. She might as well have just done it right there in front of all those dudes. She might as well have not even taken him outside. And then those guys try to put on this face. Like, a couple of them are like, well, I don't know. Maybe he'll come back with a rose in his hand. It could be good. It's like, come on. They're just trying to put on this facade of like, I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. But of course, in the darkness, she dumps Riley and he asks her what he is missing. And she says she appreciates him so much and she can't help where her heart is. He asks why she kept him around so long. And she should have said, well, the producers made me do that. I don't really have a choice. This is all a big TV show we're on, Riley. And none of this is fucking real. But instead, she conjures up something about really liking him and being vulnerable and blah, blah, blah. And Riley here says something that is incredible. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Riley says he's out of time and he's got to go now. She gives him a farewell hug, forces him now to be the STCO. And he ITMs that he didn't have a lot of time to tell her how he felt. And then his exit speech is given and it's fucking perfect. He says, it's your journey. I'm happy to have met you. And I don't regret any of this. Making her cry again. But this is exactly what you say. Of the very small amount of play we got to see in the actual game here before the men tell all, this is by far the standout play. He is securing a place in paradise with this exit speech because it's your journey means I know this is about you, not me. Happy to have met her. It was a great experience. Doesn't regret it at all. The process works. He would do it again. He's conveying all these things to the producers and to us that he's a genuinely good guy. Fucking perfect exit speech especially from a seventh place finish. This was not my play of the game, but it was extremely strong. He also puts a bunch of compliments in his ITM. He says, I didn't have a lot of time to tell Tasha how I felt. I would tell her how beautiful she is, how strong she is, how confident she is. She is someone I could see myself spending the rest of my life with. I still feel like Tasha is the one for me. It's strong victimhood. That's something that you want. Um, 
And he also says, when he's talking to her, the longer I sit here, the longer I look at you, hear you talk, see you smile, the more pain I feel. I'm going to go now. It's like, it's heartbreaking. And it feels extremely for TRR. Tasha continues sobbing. Um, it truly was like a perfect exit on his part. Riley, this episode, did a phenomenal job. Tasha, not so much. She breaks down sobbing in this moment and just starts saying, I'm sorry, into the desert night. No one around, just yeah. saying the words <laughs> to whoever might be able to listen production I'm crew, sorry. I guess. She is not doing well with the basic premise of the show at this point. Um, yeah, she says, I, re- I feel like I let him down. I really hurt him. I, di- I didn't want to hurt anyone. It's like, you didn't want to hurt anyone? How would she do that? Unfortunately, you're going to have to hurt 31 men. That's the entire thing you signed up for. Come on. It's Lucy and protocol a little bit. What is You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> Sorry. Lucy and protocol is the name that we have given to the idea that you know what you signed up for, that this is all part of the show and any kind of pain or trauma you incur is just in service of doing what you have to do as a lead or anything really. And it comes from when Hannah Sluss and Madison Pruitt on season 24 of The Bachelor, that's pilot Peter Weber's season, when Madison says she's not going to have sex with him and she doesn't want pilot Pete to have sex with anybody in the fantasy suites. And Hannah says, this is madness. We all knew what we signed up for. That was as succinct as I could be. Sluicy and protocol. <laughs> it was good. Thanks. Uh, Riley exits the game. Clues said, we will see you with sand twixt your toes. Like oh, that. God, we will. I think he's going to have very high sand placement. And then we come back from commercial and it's the middle of the day. Guys are getting ready for the cocktail party that night before the rose ceremony, doing their hair, getting dressed, etc. We can see literal light coming in through the slats of the doors. This is daytime. <laughs> and Brendan is setting up that Ben is the only one who already has the rose from a date that happened last fucking week. And the guys are all sitting around in the common room. And Bennett walks in and he says, you all look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> It was a strong prepared line. And Zaxi says, I don't understand why Bennett is still here. I do, Zach. It's the producers. You see, they brought him back for this added drama of who's going to get kicked off and will he stay around or not. Has nothing to do with how Tasha feels about you, but you now think it does. This is also something producers constantly do at every phase of the game. They undermine the relationships that are developing. The show is not about finding love. The show is about causing misery. As we've seen, everything that's teased and everything that is used as the centerpiece of these scenes is Tasha crying, sobbing, guys crying, sobbing. And now this whole idea of, well, if Bennett is around, she can't also like me is planted in Zaxi's mind. It might've done a little something to the connection he's built with her. Zaxi's response to this resurrection was, and by the way, a resurrection is when a player who's been kicked off comes back, which is what Bennett has done. He's like, I'm not going to jump up and give him a fist bump. He has He's very charismatic and funny, and I'm very surprised his Instagram numbers aren't higher. They'll get there. Bennett explains to the guys what happened with his resurrection. He says, I thought I was going to be written off as a Harvard D-bag. He says, I told her I loved her. He says that he LL4'd her, and then he received a note from her that his words had meant a lot. 
she invited me, so you gotta, like we've always done, trust her decisions, this invoking of the fact that Tasha's like, don't disrespect my decisions and like, don't question me. Noah rolls his eyes, which I laughed at. Let's talk about that note that he got from Tasha. Is it real? And if so, is it coerced by the producers? I don't understand asking about the note since supposedly in that conversation we saw between Tasha and Bennett, she said, yeah, come to the next row ceremony. Totally agree. I think the note could have mm. been manufactured by the producers specifically to have him come in and say something about it and try to rile them up and it just fell flat. It seemed a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, I received this note in the mail and it had Tasha's panties in it too. I don't know. Don't question it. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Tasha comes in. She's in a silk pink dress. She says, I've been listening to my heart. Another listen to your heart callback. Well, she doesn't come in. We think she's going to come in. Instead, Dark Lord Harrison comes in. He says, I'm glad to be back. And he tells the boys... Tasha's made up her mind. It's straight to Rose. Bennett says, I'm feeling like this is a lock that he's going to get a hometown. She wouldn't have invited me back if she didn't want to keep me. That's my best Bennett. Thank you. Ooh, I like it. This is straight gameplay talk. Every once in a while, you'll see a player slip into it. This is pure strategy. All he's doing is running the numbers in his head. Well, why would she have kept me around if she wasn't going to actually keep me around? That makes no fucking sense. If she wasn't at least prepared to give him a rose, why would she allow him back on the show? The reason, Bennett, of course, is this is a TV show and the producers want to bring you back in to fuck everybody else up. You're just their pawn in this. But you are playing their game correctly. He is playing a very strong third audience game, doing whatever they say. Last week, he told Tasha he loved her, which was false, obviously, but the producers forced him to, and so they're going to give him this extra screen time, and he got a lot of it this episode, including in the men tell all. So Bennett actually is playing all of this pretty well, even though he's coming across as a Harvard D-bag. Tasha tells everyone at Rose Ceremony, family means a lot to me, and I appreciate every single one of you. What if, like, <laughs> the lead was like, you know, I don't actually care about family, but like that's why like saying family means a lot to me just seems like a nothing statement. All of the rose ceremony speeches are basically nothing statements. It's right before hometowns, it's always family means a lot to me, so this is a big decision. It's always this is the most difficult week so far. It's always thank you so much for being here. It's always I like all of you and this is tough for me, but blah, blah, blah. None of these speeches ever mean anything. They're just a moment that you can kind of pause and build drama up to the rose ceremony and get some B-roll of the guy's faces reacting. And so, Tasha launches into this rose ceremony that we've now waited, whatever, a week and a half to fucking see. And uh, Zach C., of course, gets first flower. Congratulations, Zach C. Zach C., when he gets first flower, does a little kind of Demi Burnett-esque comment here. He goes, yes, I accept this rose and I cannot wait for you to meet my family. Saying anything other than yes, I accept this rose or I'd love to is adding a little flair and I appreciated it. Especially heading into the playoffs. He's giving us a little preview. He's like, yeah, I made it to the playoffs. Here we go. Playoffs is hometowns of fantasy suites. It's also emphasizing like 
we saw him in tears just with the guys about family and how much it meant to him. He's really building up his family. Second flower goes to Ivan. And then DOH. Back on the scene. Emerges from the shadows to do his job once again. Gentlemen, Tasha, this is the final rose tonight. And this performance is beautiful. He's missed this. You can tell. There's a lot of dramatic nose breaths. A lot of sighs. He's really making a meal out of what should be about a three-second statement gets stretched into about 15. And they give him the time. The editors leave it in. They let us get as much DLH as DLH wants to give. And it was a thing of beauty. Good to see you back, DLH. I'm looking very forward to Matt James' season because it does look like you've lost a few years somehow in between this season and that. But this was a moment for me where I saw this and I was like, oh, fuck, he's back. It was great. I'm trying to imagine if he were listening to this and he heard the sentences that you just said, what his reaction would be. I think he'd probably be like, yeah, that's 100% accurate. I did make a meal, but I enjoyed it a lot. And I did get younger. I consumed a few souls at the end of the season. Whatever kind of suffering he is going to drink in in the final two or three players is going to take 10 years off of him. You've seen the fucking Matt James promos. That guy looks like he's 25 years old. He's glowing. And it's because he loves it. He hates this La Quinta season. It is fucking busted to him. Everything from the fact that it's in La Quinta, that it's during the fucking quarantine, that Claire walked out in episode four. Top to bottom, he hates everything happening in this fucking season. I believe that. He left for the first time ever. Exactly. He doesn't care about it. To him, this isn't a real season. Although it is one of the most important seasons ever in the history of our beloved game. But I think coming back to Nima Colon, that season, I've seen his eyes in those promos. That's DLH. This thing we're watching now is a strange husk of DLH. But we saw a little moment here. That's all I'm saying. We saw a little real DLH come out. (laughs) Okay. And final flower goes to Brendan. Goodbye, young Noah and D-Bag Bennett. And there was no surprise here. Literally because the show released a trailer last week that showed Riley and Bennett with their faces digitally blacked out, but not their bodies in the mental health. So we knew they were leaving. And we, of course, assumed Noah was because we knew who these final four were for the past fucking five weeks. This was never a surprise in any way. No. Noah did a pretty good exit here. He tells Tasha, thank you for opening your heart and showing how incredible you are. I truly think you're amazing and hope you get what you're looking for. Boys, I don't need to say it. Treat her well. He's like, first audience, playing to. Second audience, playing to. Fourth audience, he comes in his exit and he says, I'm heartbroken. I do care for Tasha. Love level one. I will make someone feel very special and happy, but it wasn't Tasha. And he fucking cries. I couldn't believe it. This was a level of play I did not expect from Noah Herb. He pulled real tears. It was unbelievable. It very much made me wish he had come into the game two or three years later. I would have loved to have seen what he could do as a 27-year-old, a 28-year-old. He was a little too young for this. Maybe. Maybe he'll he'll definitely be on Paradise, I think, or whatever. We we discussed Mm -hmm. that. Who knows mathematically if it's even possible, but 
I would have liked to have seen him in the main game when he was just a little older, because I think what he would have been able to do would have been incredible. I believe in him, and I think he could have a second tour. Mm. I am hoping we start to see more and more second tours, which is where a player comes back and does another bachelor season or another bachelorette season, the main game. This was up there for my play of the game because I was just I was just so impressed and we're seeing a bunch of exits and people aren't able to pull out the tears. Well, especially from a person who started out as the fucking chaos king, jumping a fence and wrestling a dude covered in oil, shaving off a mustache. He was using big, bold, kind of crazy plays. And here he breaks it back down to the fundamentals. Tears mean 4TRR. So he's going to tell you all these things, how he felt about Tasha, and he gives you the tears so you know it was genuine. And all the big brash plays that he made in the earlier season, sure, they had their effect, but here we see it's a real guy, or at least that's what he's conveying. And yeah, I, I agree with you. This was a bit of play that I did not think he was capable of. Um, And we're also seeing this paralleled with Bennett's second exit, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling sad. It's more confusion. This is not going to end this way. Never in a million years in my mind. Here we are doing this again. (laughs) And I'm like, does he believe that? I don't know. But none of this is about how he feels about Tasha. Noah's was. He's heartbroken. He really had true feelings for her. Bennett's is all about, I'm confused. And I don't, I didn't think it would end like this. Meaning the game. It's all about him. He's confused about the loss in this game he's playing. But our final four are Ben, Zach, Ivan, and Brendan moving into hometowns. Tasha has fulfilled her contractual obligation with the producers to keep Noah and Bennett for as long as she could. And that's the end of the true document of this week. We got whatever that was, a quarter of an actual episode pulled out into half of this episode and now we're getting the mentel all that was is next five out of 11 portions <laughs> okay so it's a little less than half to be the exact episode. wow all right so portion six then begins the mentel all and this shit is fascinating yes the opening shot is La Quinta Resort in Palm Springs. They show you a big wide shot of La Quinta. It's the first thing you see. And then they cut to inside some room for the mental. All the guys are all sitting around in their chairs. There's DLH sitting in his chair in his throne, the head of the dais. They make you think this shit's happening at La Quinta. It ain't. I thought it was. It ain't. This shit was shot at Nima Colon. Why they're trying to make it look like La Quinta, I don't know, but that is definitely what they did. I'm not misconstruing that. They show a big wide shot of La Quinta and then cut inside this room. I think it's continuity. They're trying to be like, this is all part of one season. Let's not make it any more disjointed than it already fucking is, which it is. I thought you were going to say, this is fascinating based on the chairs that we had present at Mental All. Mm -hmm. We have... Blake Moines, we have Bennett, Noah, Jason, Damar, Riley, Kenny, Ed, and then we'll eventually have Yosef. But notably absent, we don't have Joe Park, Dr. Joe, and we don't, who's a fan favorite, 
And we also don't have Easy, who made it, I believe he made it farther than Kenny or Jason, right? Jason was gone almost immediately. He yeah. told Tasha, I'm still in love with Claire. I have to leave. Easy made it for them both of them. We can only surmise that it was because of the sexual assault allegations that ABC just decided, nah, we can't have this guy around. Also not present, Jason. No idea why. Also not present for this whole thing, Claire and Dale Moss. Well, the Claire thing is also pretty shocking. And by the way, Claire tweeted, I wish they would have let me be in attendance to let these men know in person how much their words and support have meant to me. Thank you, gentlemen, from the bottom of my heart. Heart emoji. Why would they not have let Claire be at this? I don't know. They talked about Claire. They had her in all the bloopers. Well, we'll get to those bloopers and what they tried to do to Claire. They tried to make Yosef apologize to Claire. And she's not there. Dark Lord Harrison calls them handsome men. He says it's been a wild summer in the 120 degree heat fighting over what ended up being two women. We get reel number one. It is a drama reel. He also says that this mental all is going to be more intimate than you've ever seen before because of COVID. There's no audience. You miss that fucking audience. When these guys are trying to do jokes that aren't going off, when these guys are fighting and there's no audience reactions, it is a different fucking experience watching this. This is just a room full of fucking dudes yelling at each other. When there's an audience, it's a game. It's on a stage. Like We get to see the reactions of in quotes, regular people to these things. And it kind of takes away the sting of it. When these dudes start yelling at each other in this room, you're just like, holy shit, this is fucking intense. It was a very strange uh, feeling, this MTA, mental well. Yeah, it felt very just all over, generally very toxically masculine. Very few of the people came, came across clean to me, but we get... The first reel, drama reel, all the forced violence. They highlight Jason and him calling both of them smoke shows. Again, they focus on Jason a lot to not have him in this. It's it's strange. Maybe he, he had COVID. Could have uh, been. They focus on the Noah and Bennett rivalry and Bennett saying that Noah had a 0% chance. And Ed, we start with Ed. I cannot believe how much screen time Ed is getting. That's a producer deal. He's their fucking pet. That guy will do whatever they want. And we saw it. They even recall it in this when DLH has the footage of him drinking the wine with him, but he's down to do anything basically. And I think he's getting rewarded for it. Just a side note. Bennett actually makes a good play in the very beginning here. He's wearing a scarf. Just FYI. If you're known for something on the show, bring it back to the men tell all or women tell all. There's no reason not to. I did, Mark. We had two tots, Bennett wearing the scarf and also tot of Kenny that he's wearing a weird outfit because he's the guy who doesn't wear suits. Yeah. I'm not even sure what it is he's wearing. It's like a sweat, sweatsuit, pattern sweatsuit thing. Ed says that Chasen came out here to find likes and social media gratification. LOL. <laughs> Delete your Instagram, Ed. Damar questions Ed and says, like, you don't know what Jason was feeling. Maybe he did have real feelings for Tasha and Claire. And Ed does a line here. He says, he's the three F's, fake, fraud, and phony. 
Pony has a PH, but he's too dumb to know that. I like that this man was prepared with these zingers. This is almost my play of the game. When you're coming on the Mentel all, this is not a time to fuck off and just show up and see what happens. Write your entire script. Plan your entire appearance on this fucking show. Who knows how much of it you'll actually yes. get to use, but at least have a one-liner like this just in your pocket. This was so effective that they cut away to not only Damar, who was kind of coming on the attack toward Ed. Damar now is laughing. They also cut to fucking <laughs> DOH himself clapping for this joke as though Ed is the fool in his royal court. This is a brilliant fucking move. It is one every player should copy. Have something for these shows because you're at least going to get the camera on you once. And when it's on you, don't fucking waste it. Ed really took, I mean, what I think was a very mediocre season of play and blew himself up to kind of a character from this season that I think they're going to repeat again and again. I think he's got one of the strongest chances to wind up on Paradise of anybody from this season. I hate that. <laughs> but but I agree. I mean, Chris Harrison posted a photo with Ed to promote the mental all tonight. Like, there's no greater, you know, third show that you are have a strong third audience game than that it's one of the strongest third audience games we've ever seen he has no other game he has no first audience no second audience (laughs) no fourth audience only a third audience no one likes him but the producers and that's all that matters at this point it's incredible uh dark lord harrison then brings up the noah and bennett rivalry noah says that he thinks bennett has insecurities and that's why he didn't like him off the bat and says he was brushing it all aside until he had real feelings for Tasha and didn't want her to end up with Bennett. I'm for TRR. I didn't want to delve into the drama until I was protecting my girl. Dark Lorderson brings up the book. They get back into that and dredge it up. And Bennett now says no, he was wrong initially, saying that no was deficient in three of the four categories. It's actually four of the four, blah, blah, blah. That, to me, was tired. They should have dropped that shit. They should have moved on from it. Unless Bennett could have brought in another book by the same author and been like, now it's time for you to read this one. That would have been funny. (laughs) He kind of blew that opportunity, I think. He had already prepared his Kringle for the tag. That's true. It escalates into the screaming match between a bunch of the different guys. Kenny's chiming in from the nosebleeds. You're a party guy. And Noah's like, coming from the One Direction party manager, talk about a drunk asshole. Kenny says, you're the party boy. (laughs) I wrote, she shut down Rose Ceremony because you were being a fucking bitch. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Portion seven. Dark Lord Harrison asks Noah about Bennett again. Jason defends him. Bennett says, cite an example where I'm condescending. And Blake Moynes chimes in, there are times where you're condescending, not to me, but there are times, and Damar's like, I can, when it came to the young guys in the house. From an unbiased opinion, I'm seeing this. Bennett says, I'm sorry my words came across as condescending. Noah says, I'll accept a genuine apology, but I personally think you're an ostentatious Harvard D-bag. I don't see us being friends after this. The beginning clip of this episode. And it's all just boring at this point we've seen this actual thing play out in the show to rehash it like this especially we've we've seen it 
relatively recently. It wasn't like this was from earlier in the season that we have to revisit it. Part of the problem of this season being so condensed is that everything we're seeing in the mental all literally just fucking happened. In some cases, some of the clips they played in it were from tonight that we had watched 15 minutes prior. There were so many long clips of things we've already seen. We do get a clip that we haven't seen before, and it is with our bystander of the week, maybe the season, Gita, the sex guru. And we see this scene from the one-on-one where she tells them to disrobe. She says, we're going to look at the sexual energy. There's a lot there. She's doing the spinning thing on Blake Moynes' dick now. She says, this is beautiful. Actually, you're very aligned there in a big way. It's pure and simple magic, and we're charging your presence. And there's a big black box over his dick, so we can't actually see what's happening there. The implication is that he's getting a boner, and I don't know if that's true or not. They could have just manufactured this by putting the box there and implying it, which I think may be possible. DLH reinforces the implication. He says, Canadians rise to the occasion. Blake Moynes isn't denying it. He says, I'm not shy. I was charged. That could be producer interference, though. They could have told him, we're going to show this clip of you with a black box over your dick. We're going to make you look very good. We're going to talk about how big your dick is. You have to play along. Fair enough. I don't know that it was real. That's all. (laughs) If anyone has any information... Did Blake Moynes get hard with Gita? (laughs) Let us know. There's only three people that know. Well, no, four, because there's a camera person at least. Probably a couple camera people, Blake Moynes, Tasia, and Gita. We could probably get to Gita. Let's see if we could get her on. I would love to have her on. And then we get this fucking clip that we've already seen before between... It's Ed's knock-knock where he means to go to Tasha's place and ends up at Chris Harrison's place. Ed says, I can learn a lot from Chris on love. I'm glad I wasn't at Tasha's. No first audience game. <laughs> no first, it's no audience game to anybody. Even when they're showing the clips back, it's like some of the guys are kind of laughing at it, but he's really the main one laughing at it. Even the other players don't think this shit's funny. They're like, fuck this guy, get him out of here. Then we go to commercial. And we get a clip of Blake waxing Kenny's dick. First thing, when we come back, just unsolicited. No introduction. (laughs) Here's a clip of this. You're like, okay, that's cool. We come out of this other dick thing that has another black box over another dick. And we get the first hot seat of the night. Yosef, the villain of the early part of the season, the Claire part of the season. DLH describes his actions on the show as the most contentious moment in Bachelorette history. And he intros Yosef clip package, which is everything we remember about what he said to Claire, where she gets to do her reprisal of the Juan Pablo reprimand. Men like that. We see her wagging her finger into the night. And um, we come out and Yosef is there on the hot seat. We see that Yosef is continuing his uh, general vibe of MAGA troll who is going to double down on everything that he says. He says, I, it was humiliating for the losing team. I don't regret sticking up for those guys. Blake and Kenny were like, we were three of the most naked. It was kind of fucked up what you did. 
And Joseph says to Blake, I'm sorry you can't express yourself as a man. Jason had a nice line here, which I liked. Shut the fuck up, Yosef. Always a strong line if it's warranted. (laughs) If you can somehow validate the saying of it, which Jason does, because Joseph is obviously hated by everyone. He has no audience game. He is playing a zero audience game. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) All hate him. Yes, and he had an opportunity to play to many, to at least, actually, he had an opportunity to play to all four audiences here. When Dark Lord Harrison says, do you have any regrets? Yosef says, what I said was factually accurate. Riley says, you're a terrible person. Dark Lord Harrison says, when you're watching that, you're like, it's cool. I would never have a problem with someone talking to my daughter like that. Which, there's so many levels of bad that are going on here, but Dark Lord Harrison being like, well, as a father of a woman, like, can't you relate to that somehow? Like, how a woman might feel as if it's not, like, a person. And Yosef says, I would hope someone (laughs) would call out my daughter if she was acting like that. Holy fucking shit. I felt very bad for his daughter and however many years she is going to have to live in his household. But DOH then says, look, I'm going to give you some advice. It was not a good look. And he would love it if Yosef would apologize to Claire, even though she's not there, just some apology being issued generally to Claire that hopefully she'll see on TV. And (laughs) Yosef, of course, refuses the opportunity. This was my... Error, 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 error of the game. It was also my error, 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 error of the game. I don't know if Yosef realizes this, but this is DLH offering him a path to paradise if you do this apology your name goes back in the hopper at the very least and maybe even because you're a villain you'll get a fucking leg up maybe you'll be above some other people because they'd want to bring you to paradise but you have to do this apology here that's what he's saying he's like dude i'm letting you have this chance all you have to do is apologize and maybe you can get on paradise and he's like fuck you i'm not doing it so yosef is done he's done with the franchise we'll never see him again Why did he even come back? I think screen time. I think he thought, I'm going to come back. I'll get another bump in Instagram followers. Certainly, that's what he's in it for. But he's also very prideful. And he's like, well, this is how I feel about things. And I'm not changing my mind. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, whatever, dude. You can feel however you want. Just like DLH is giving you literally the path. All you have to do is do what he says. And he can't manage to do it. Just a terrible player top to bottom, (sighs) Yosef. Yeah, it was just so easy for him to just give any form of an apology, any regret, any like it, it required such a bare minimum effort. Adela just trying to drag it out of him and he doesn't do it. And if he had issued a genuine apology and been like I 
you know, I was heated, you know, we were in quarantine, I was thinking about my daughter, and I like took it too personally. And like, I totally see how it came off. And like, I've heard from everybody and like what they're saying. And like, I deeply regret this. And like, I hope I get the opportunity to apologize to Claire in person. And like, I mean, it's, I'm laughing as I'm even saying it because it's yeah. just so <laughs> opposite of what he was doing. But he could have, he would have gotten a bigger Instagram bump, even if he doesn't even get on Paradise. Ugh, whatever. And always in these mental alls, with mental alls, you have the opportunity because they're going to be playing the clips. There's an apology format waiting there for you every time. All you have to do is say, holy shit, I didn't watch it when it aired because it was like, I just wanted to distance myself from this bad experience. This is the first time I'm seeing these clips and you're right. This is not who I want to be as a person, blah, 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 blah. You can always turn on a fucking dime after watching the clip. Always. That's always there for you in a mental woman to all. He just doesn't see it. And he would expand the amount of girls that he can send unsolicited jerking off videos to as well. Yosef, were you even thinking about that? No, clearly. Portion number nine opens with a replay of Tasha shaving Noah's mustache off. I have to say, it was at this moment that I really became consciously aware of the beautiful golden frame with the kind of white and yellow light bulbs going off that they put all these replays in this season. And there have been a couple I other seasons. you were talking about Noah's facial hair, that it was a golden frame for his mouth. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the graphic the show is using. They've done this a few other times in a few other seasons where they'll have like this frame within a frame that they inset all the clips in. They don't always do it, but they did it this season and it looked like a brand new one that they were trying out. So a La Quinta themed one, kind of a yellow deserty feel instead of what used to be just red roses. Thank you. I am not complimenting you. (laughs) I don't know. My expression is somehow conveying that. Nope. Gonna just move past that one. They bring in Tasha for hot seat number two. And what they did here was one of my favorite things of this mental. Dark Lord Harrison says, there's all of these rumors that there's been this elaborate scheme that you were there from the start, implying that they pushed Claire out. And I'm just like, it's so ridiculous, this conversation. Like, clearly the timelines don't add up. They clearly brought Tasha in before Claire had quit. Tasha says, I was eating donuts. This is her alibi that she offers for, like, I didn't know about this. I was eating donuts. This phone call is a complete surprise to me. She also says just before that I was reading a book and then I was eating donuts. And a sure sign of deceit is when you're asked for an alibi or whatever the lie has to be, it's overly detailed. And so it was, I was reading a book while I was eating donuts. And then you called me. This is all a pre-planned, pre-staged, scripted line that she's delivering here so that they can attempt to dispel the rumors that this season was anything other than totally on the up and up. Dark Lord Harrison emphasizes that when she walked in, there wasn't a jaw not on the floor, though, that everyone forgot about Claire. And he asks her about her relationship with Noah. She says he has this amazing energy. Nothing really comes of this conversation. He's like, Ben and I had a qualm from the start. I kept getting caught in the mat in the mess but i had a blast with you and we cut to real number seven is 
a clip showing the resurrection of Bennett and his post-mortem love level four. Bennett says he cried for 24 to 36 hours. I don't believe this. What do you mean? It's the old 24 to 36 hour crying period. You've never had one of those? Come on. (laughs) Yeah, it seemed like a strange, again, overly specific kind of time. He's curious to hear her thought process. He says, I'm a big boy. Maybe you weren't into me. And Tasha just says, I was caught off guard. Kind of blows past this when clearly she was not planning on giving Bennett a hometown. Tasha did do a decent job here with both Bennett and Noah of conjuring some semi-believable verbiage about why she kept them and why it didn't work. She didn't give a fuck about either of these guys from the beginning. They were producer players from literally day one and she's now in this hot seat put on the spot and forced to kind of make up something that explains why in quotes she kept them there it's always to me hilarious in the men and women tell all when players who kind of get edged out around those places seventh to ninth place these are players who had no chance from the beginning floaters in many cases sometimes a villain or a bright comic spot when the lead is then forced to give some excuse to them when they have to come back face to face with the woman to all and the lead can't just be like, yeah, the producers made me keep you. Sorry. Reel number eight we get is Blake Moines. It's a heartbreak reel. We see his uh, facial reactions in the emotion square, bottom left corner. And he does a pretty good job of looking like he's emotionally touched by what has happened and he furthers this by saying have you ever thought of the potential if we gave it time i always think about that question mark taisha puts it to rest as time is not the only factor i might have put up a wall because you were still working through your feelings for claire and i didn't want to get blindsided and blake says i can only say amazing things about you your glow he glows her. <laughs> Portion 10. DLH starts off by saying, welcome to an intimate and up to this point riveting mental. It's the least riveting <laughs> mental I've ever seen. Usually with these things, the mental alls, the women alls, they come after the fantasy suites or at least after hometowns. So you've seen one yeah. breakup, potentially two that are kind of gut wrenching. You've maybe even seen somebody they just had sex with would be back on the show or biggest kind of breakups so far have been fucking Blake Moines and Riley, one of which did not occur in a rose ceremony or on a date. She just yanked him out of the common room and was like, let me go dump you in the night. And Blake Moines didn't even make it to the night portion of his fucking date. She ended it early. Like she doesn't care about these two guys. Yes, she broke down sobbing and all that. But these moments where they have to come face to face again, just fall flat. This was one of the worst men tells I've ever seen. Well, I would argue that the next portion did not fall flat. It was reel number nine. It was a heartbreak reel for Riley about their relationship and then their breakup. In the reaction box, Riley's watching. He's gripping his face and he has glossy eyes. Dark Lord Harrison is like, I know you, you know, you haven't seen this. This just aired. Riley says, I didn't want to relive it. It brought everything back. I did myself a disservice waiting so long to tell you about his feelings and about his walls, etc. And he's choking up through this conversation. And it was my... 
play, 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 play of the game. It was also my. Play, 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 play of the game. What? You already did a play of the game. This is my second play what? of the game. <laughs> he had the first one in the actual document, in the real game. Uh, oh my God. When he okay. did his exit. And then this is like the mental all is its own thing. I feel like it gets its own play of the game and MVP and all that shit. If it's its own episode. I mean, it is. They shot at Nima Cole and it's not happening in the, the context of the normal <laughs> gameplay. It's a different game because you've looked up the production location of it. Oh my God. No, it always is different because it takes place so far outside the game. Two plays of the game. Okay. All right. I well, resend my second right. play no, of the game. No, it's fine. It's fine. He deserves it. He plays this, both of both his exit and then his mental performance here, so perfectly, so for TRR. He's choking up. He's emotional. Tasha says, can I give you a hug? And this prompts Dark Lord Harrison to invite him up to a hot seat. He wasn't going to get a hot seat, and he gets a hot seat. We've seen it before. It's not a first. And we've seen players ask for it and end up going up. But Riley does it in a way where it's like Tasha and DLH are inviting him up. He doesn't make it seem like he has initiated this. Riley manipulated the devil himself. He got the fucking Dark Lord to say, come sit with me at my table. Dark Lord Harrison, the words he uses is, why don't you come and sit up here with us? With us. With the lead and me. This is fucking, to me... Easily the best play of the mental hall. Again, it was my play of the game for the mental hall. But okay, whatever. It seems like you need this, so thank you. It, you. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a great play. And uh, yeah, to see somebody manufacture a hot seat out of one that doesn't exist, it is rare. Like you're saying, it happens from time to time, but fuck, brilliant. It was beautiful. And he plays the hot seat very well says that he fell hard and that the first week he got back, he didn't move. He doesn't open up to people very often, but his walls were down. Riley had some tough walls. He played some pretty strong walls. Maybe should have let them down earlier. But he says, I appreciate everything you did for me. Praises Tasha. Wouldn't change the experience. Praises the process. Says, you're outstanding. If someone doesn't tell you that enough, I'll be there showing up for her, basically, even when he's already been broken up with by her and gets Tasha to be like, you're incredible. Everyone has things in their past they're scared to open up about. You opening up wasn't the reason for the decision. And Riley says, that's a weight off my chest. I was thinking, did I scare you off? It really means the world. And Tasha says, you're going to make an amazing husband an amazing dad. And just perfectly sets him up for paradise. I perfectly sets him up for bachelor. Unfortunately, you know, it's probably not going to happen, but he really, of everybody who came here to the mental hall, to quote another player this season, Zach C left it all on the field. <laughs> the originator of that phrase. <laughs> well, from this season, but there wasn't a better player in the mental hall tonight for sure. And yes. it's just sad that this mental hall comes at a weird time in the season. 
It isn't after hometowns. It isn't after fantasy suites. So this is kind of loss because whatever drama is generated in the mental all usually can carry you through what would be the finals into whatever the postseason is going to be. Conversations about paradise or the next lead or whatever. Unfortunately, I think everything that happened in the mental all is going to be obliterated by what's about to happen in the playoffs. I don't think we'll even remember this shit in a week. Maybe not even after tomorrow night. Yeah. I mean, we saw <laughs> the tears Tasha poured for the top seven. I can't imagine what they will be for the top three and four and two. DLH thanks them all for opening up. He's happy they broke down their walls for Tasha as well. So we got to see it. And we get real number 10 bloopers. Dark Lord Harrison says, we're never complete in our hearts and in our souls until bloopers. The bloopers fulfill him. These are moments in which players and the lead look foolish. This is what fulfills (laughs) him. This is what completes his heart and soul. The folly of others. (laughs) He lives on souls and bloopers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way, Claire is the star of these bloopers, not invited to the bed till star of the bloopers. But in some ways, it seems like there's a little bit of revenge going on. All of Claire's bloopers are her eating and saying, I hope they don't show all this eating on camera. And then they show it all on camera and her asking three or four times about Garen's name. These were not things that painted her in a good light necessarily. They might have been funny, but... It seemed like there was a little dig in there from the producers to me. I mean, I am assuming based on her tweet that this is not an amicable relationship at this point. But also, I would think they would love to bring their newly engaged couple to mental all to after the final rose to bring them around whenever they can. But maybe we'll see him at after the final rose. But the blooper reel ends with a groundhog emerging from a hole and returning to its underground home as Claire Crawley screams into its face, I'm the Bachelorette. (laughs) That does not seem like a nice edit to me. Is it recalling the raccoon conversations from Bachelor in Paradise? Dark Lord Harrison says, I know it was rushed, but are you glad you answered the call? And Tasha says, yes. She's not alluding to being engaged, which is weird to me. I don't think she is. I don't think this winds up good for her. But she does say she doesn't regret anything. This is the party line. All leads must say this in the end. And notably at the end of this episode, every time they do a live show of The Bachelor, a mental all, and after the final rose, the Dark Lord has a specific phrase that he uses. This is very similar to the Tings or the this is the final rose or any of the things that he does in constant repetition. He always says, for everyone who's been a part of this one, that's the closing line of every one of these episodes. He does not say it here. He just says, good night, everybody. I don't know if that's because this wasn't live, if it's because he, in his mind, does not view this as a real season. He's not grateful to everyone who's been a part of it. That too. Maybe he can't tell a lie, (laughs) but he doesn't say it here. I found that interesting because, as you know, I analyze every one of Dark Lord Harrison's movements. We get a real of the final four and then in the tag Bennett does something very not condescending in which he calls Polly a man who works on the show in as his servant and has them serve everyone green juices and serves 
one in a sippy cup for Noah. Not condescending at all. But this is further evidence that the producers love Bennett. They set all this up with Polly. They made the green juices for him. They gave him the sippy cup. All of that. Even if it was his idea, 100%, he still had to get producers help to pull it off, which he did. And so the final moment of this, after this reel that we see of the next couple of episodes, in which, by the way, Ben, LL4s her, apparently. Tasha's doing a lot of crying. Ivan's doing crying. Tasha's dad steps in and says, I'm here to stop you from making the biggest mistake of your life. Oh, I was very excited by this reel. I think it will more than make up for the lackluster men tell all that we had to sit through tonight. I know it was in large part due to COVID and just kind of how this season generally went, but this mental all, in my opinion, was one of the worst that we've seen. Agreed. I feel like you're right when you say that we're not going to remember any of it in a week. Well, that wraps up coverage of tonight's episode. This is episode number two for Game of Roses this week. There is still going to be an episode three and an episode four. of four. (laughs) So we're halfway there and two more to go. We hope you'll join us and thank you for joining us for this one. And as always, thanks for all the luscious tids that you're sending to me at Bachelor Clues on Game of Roses. That is a tidbit. A tidbit is a piece of Bachelor information. Yeah, our first episode was we did a breakdown of Tasha's entire rookie season on Colton Underwood's Bachelor season. That is a bonus episode available on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Game of Roses. We will be doing a second game breakdown tomorrow night, which will come out on Wednesday. And then Clues will be is opting in for a fourth episode of the week, Twibbin, This Week in Bachelor Nation, which he will be hosting with a surprise guest host. So be sure to tune in. I think you will all enjoy it. I know I'm going to. When we are compiling our parasocial plays of the week for our Friday episode, I'm often posting those parasocial play nominations on our Instagram at Game of Roses Pod. So if you want to be able to see the visual information and not just our descriptions of it, follow us on Instagram. There's also all sorts of content that we post on there. Hilarious memes. I posted a picture of myself at prom in the year 1996. <laughs> Once. Clues' prom photo you can see there. And it's where we post our weekly schedule for this very show. So you can go there to basically get all the info you want about what's going on every week on the podcast. If you want to follow Bachelor Clues, he's at Bachelor Clues. If you want to follow me, Pace Case, I'm at Pace Case. And this is a few weeks out, but we will be doing a deep dive into all 32 of the players coming up on Matt James's season the week before his season starts airing. So look forward to that two weeks from now. By the way, on our Patreon, we are also doing a pre-game show uh, via YouTube Live, and we post the links on our Patreon um, the half hour before the 8 p.m. Pacific time airing of the show. So at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, we are live doing a breakdown of what we are thinking is going to happen in the episode 
answering people's questions, etc. And before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,840 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, 
First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice, so it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too, so give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. 